Hi, it's Dwyer, GamblersAdvisory.com, a free site. BettingAngle.us, a free site. It's Monday morning, July the 17th, 2023. Let's talk basketball, just macro, <clears throat> here in July. But first, remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, first, let's address gamblers here. You have a unique situation. A unique situation. A team that is historical. A team that right now is probably the best team in North America. Right? What I want people to do is to think about the best teams they've seen in their lives. <clears throat> big red machine for me personally in baseball, right? The big red machine, the 82-83 Philadelphia 76ers, right? They were so good that they asked Moses Malone what was going to happen in the NBA finals. <clears throat> Malone responded, four, four, and four. They didn't get the 4-4-4. Four, four, four. They went 4-5-4. Four, four. They missed perfection by one game. <clears throat> I can tell you, the last game against the Lakers, they're struggling. They were off. Then they hit the switch, blew by Kareem and Magic in a way that no other team in the 1980s did. They swept the Lakers in that NBA Finals. Right now, I'm sure people have other teams that they've looked at and they thought, oh my goodness, this is them, right? The Bulls, 72-win team with Jordan and Pippen, right? Okay, okay, sure. Just understand you have that situation right now in the WNBA. In a league with super teams, you have the Las Vegas Aces, folks. There's no one close. I understand. Gamblers have figured this out. I understand you're getting far less than even money on the aces to win the WNBA championship. But just understand, we haven't seen a team like this in recent memory. Right? This is the 1927 Yankees, quite frankly. An open question for me is whether any team beats them in the playoffs this year, right? For those who don't recall, the 76 Big Red Machine <clears throat> swept Philly. I was a Yankee fan. I was a Yankee fan. They played the Yankees in the World Series. It was a big moment for me. It was the first time in a long time that the Yankees made the World Series. Let's just say it wasn't close. Only one guy on the big red machine smiled. and That was Ken Griffey's Jr.'s father, right? You had stars all over the place. Tony Perez could fall out of bed. He'd have two RBIs, right? The leadoff hitter, the leadoff hitter was a big muscular guy nicknamed Charlie Hustle, right? You had other guys all the way down the line, Joe Morgan, of course, won two MVPs. 
In the 1970s, you understood that Carlton Fisk and Thurman Munson weren't close to Johnny Bench. Right? The list goes on and on. Um, <clears throat> let's just say you have that today with the Las Vegas Aces. I know gambling orthodoxy tells you not to bet on a team to win it all when you're getting less than minus 200 odds. Let's just say, and you need to think for yourself here, I've done just that. Because if you gave me an opportunity, if I was an adult back in 1976 and had an opportunity to bet on the then champion Big Red Machine, right? They had beaten the Red Sox in 75 already, right? I would have left at that opportunity, right? Understand these great teams, you know, we like to call every team great. But these great teams take a while to develop. And when it clicks, it clicks, right? We remember the 80s, uh, you know, for the Lakers, for the uh, Bird McHale Parish, Boston Celtics, right? For Isaiah, uh, Dantley, uh, Lambeer, uh, Edwards, uh, Detroit Pistons, right? Take a moment to just look at the playoff performance of the 76 team that I'm talking about. You have an opportunity to place a bet on a team like that right now with the Las Vegas Aces. Now let's switch gears a little bit. You know, there's some people who know personnel better than the rest of us. They just simply do. During the time I followed football, right, the ultimate alchemist in my eyes, were Bill Walsh, right? Just understand, Bill really stands alone because Bill took guys like a third-round quarterback. That's where he was drafted, Joe Montana, right? And he blended them with other guys. Understand, the superstars, Jerry Rice, um, interesting pick, Mississippi Valley State, right? Outside the top 10 of the first round, you had to go looking for him. Roger Craig, who we need to understand, he's the first guy in NFL history with 1,000 receiving yards the same year he has 1,000 rushing yards, right? Those guys don't arrive. Um, the Jerry Rice's, the... John Taylor's, the Roger Craig's, they don't arrive until after Bill Walsh has won a Super Bowl with Montana, Bill Ring, guys like that, right? I would say that Bill Walsh is probably the best personnel guy I know of in the NFL. I understand hardcore Niner fans are going to tell me about Carmen Policy. Right? I would argue that Carmen Policy was an executive who listened to Bill Walsh. Jimmy Johnson is the only other guy really in the building during the time I watched football and understood it. I'll agree strong arguments can be made for Al Davis, younger Al Davis, right? But he's a little before my time. And Chuck Noll, the Steelers 
probably are the most talented football team I've seen, right, over a several-year period of time. Folks, they had stars all over the place, right? Just think about Franco with Stallworth, Hall of Famer, Lynn Swan, Hall of Famer, and I'm just telling you, the offensive side of the ball, and of course, Bradshaw, Hall of Famer, the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion, paled in comparison to the steel curtain, we called it, Pittsburgh's defense, right? Well, I will say the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson gets there. He's building the Cowboys from the floor up, right? The Cowboys were struggling the last few Landry years, and Jimmy trades Herschel Walker, who was one of the best backs I've seen, not the best, but one of the best, he trades Herschel Walker. He does some moves that at the time were controversial. You wondered what he was doing. Then suddenly you woke up and he had Aikman. He had Irvin. He had Emmett Smith. He had Daryl Johnson. He had the best team in the NFL, and they were also one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Well, in basketball, to me, one of the gurus of personnel, a guy who's just years ahead of everyone else, is also one of the best players in history, right? And that's Jerry West, the logo. Now, understand, Jerry played with Wilt. Understand, Jerry was the general manager of the Lakers during the Kareem era. Understand the Golden State Warriors. There are a few pivot points in that team's history. One of them, and it's a big part of the folklore up here in Northern California, is when management was about to trade Clay Thompson, right? A guy who, at that time, was a little bit murky. You didn't know if Clay was great. And management was about to trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love, a guy out of UCLA who, you know, hit the ground running, had height, had a three, had a lot going for him. And according to folklore, Jerry West stood up and said, look, if you guys go forward with this trade, I'm going to quit my job. Right, Jerry basically laid down across the railroad tracks and stopped the train. They kept Clay Thompson. That's when you have the Splash Brothers. Right, understand Jerry West is in the building and he's making decisions while the Warriors, who end up being a dynasty, right, while the Warriors are figuring things out. Let's remember some of the moves the Warriors did. Mark Jackson makes the playoffs. They fire Mark Jackson as head coach. I'm telling you the best things in life, you don't realize them the first time you see them. Right? My father told me about the 49ers. When I saw them the first time, they looked like a gimmick. Right? Passing the ball to running backs, what was that about? Right? I was a kid of the 70s. I, you know, I didn't understand it. I can tell you there's a moment here in this Warrior franchise 
where Steph Curry is pulling up three feet behind a three-point line, and you thought, what the hell are they doing? Right? Well, Jerry knew what they were doing. So Jerry sits down recently for an interview. And I believe the interviewer is Dan Patrick. And Jerry is asked for his all-time five in the NBA. Right? To me, this is like talking to Bill Walsh. This is like talking to Chuck Noll. Right? Guys in the know. Guys who know personnel. Right? This would be like talking to John Calipari about the best college basketball recruiting classes. Right? These are the guys who are the wizards. These are the guys who figure out how to make things happen. Right? Understand, as you were watching that NBA Finals, you, you knew, didn't you? That Bam Adebayo, Kentucky, Jamal Murray, Kentucky, right? You you understood that Kentucky guys, even the semis, right? Anthony Davis, Kentucky, right? You you understood that John Calipari really underwrote what you were seeing. Well, let me just say this. Jerry doesn't want to name five guys, which is a bit shocking, right? Doesn't want to name five guys, but he says, I'll tell you three guys right now who are on the all-time top five, right? Now, understand, behind the scenes, Jerry West is very good friends with Michael Jordan, right? The two guys, quite frankly, had very similar games, uh, they did not start counting steals in the NBA until Jerry's last season, when Jerry, by his own admission, had lost a little. But yet Jerry averaged over two steals a game. This is Jerry's last season on the way out. This is Jerry when Jerry's not fully Jerry. Even then, Jerry was averaging over two steals a game. Look it up. Right, Jerry, of course, did some things Michael never did. Understand, Jerry West, one year, led the NBA in assists. This is the guy we call Mr. Clutch, right? One of the best long-range shooters in the game's history. Well, Jerry names Michael to his all-time top five. I agree with the Michael pick. Right? I know young guys hate to hear me say it, but Michael is probably the best player I've ever seen. Right? He then names LeBron. Right? He says one of the best all time is still playing. He names LeBron. He names another name, Kobe. Right? Then he stops naming names, because Jerry understood how loaded it would be, given that he's a Laker icon, given that he played with Wilt, given that he, of course, presided over Kareem, right, and the Lakers during the Showtime era, right? So he didn't want to go further. Well, let me just say this, and let's commit heresy right here. 
right? Um, there's a room that most people don't enter where we look at a guy, Kobe is who I'm going to pick here. We look at a guy and we say, okay, there certainly was an era where Kobe was one of the best defenders in the NBA. If you want to talk to me about who was most Michael-like, and let's be clear on Michael, plays fewer games than LeBron, has more MVPs, he has more championships, right? You can hate on the guy, you can say this, that, and the other, right? Just understand, when a guy plays less and has more, I would say that gives Michael the edge in the conversation about who's better, himself or LeBron. Let me also point out, too, that LeBron, and LeBron's one of the best I've ever seen, right? But I've been followed around too much by LeBron fans. I don't know why folks just intuitively know I'm a Jordan guy, right? But just understand, LeBron went into an NBA Finals that he was favored to win against Dirk and the Dallas Mavericks. And he lost that NBA Finals, right? Just understand, while I know uh, Michael had problems in the playoffs for years, got swept in the playoffs by the Boston Celtics and Larry, right? Just understand, when Michael gets to the NBA Finals, he not only never loses a Finals in which he was favored, Jordan never loses a Finals, Right? He's 6-0 and oh in finals. I can't even get the fingers right here. He's 6-0 and oh in finals. Right? So Jordan, certainly, to me, of this list, LeBron, Kobe, and Michael, it's really Michael and the other two guys, isn't it? Right? I know that sounds hard. I know that this is not the way the press is reporting it. I keep hearing about who's the best all time. Michael or LeBron, let's be clear, for, from this seat, and I don't even care what the stats are, right? I just know Michael has the edge. Let me just say this too. For me, there are three certainties on the all-time NBA list. Right? You need a point guard. You need a guy who is multi-layered. By that I mean, you know, a point guard who can get assists, who can do a fast break style or a half court style. Right? But if the team is struggling... You need for that guy to be able to roll up his sleeves, get in the paint, get rebounds. And you need for that guy to score. Right? Magic Johnson is on any all, you know, any all NBA team that I could imagine being put together. Let me say this too. You heard me mention him earlier. You know, Larry Bird, what people need to understand is that Larry, in the 80s, when we didn't know the value of the three-point shot, 
right? In the 80s where forwards were supposed to be under the basket getting rebounds, right? This is, you know, the rough and tumble era of Bill Lambeer and Charles Oakley, right? Forwards were really muscular guys, throwing elbows, pushing you out of the way. Understand in that era, Larry Bird goes through multiple years where he hits 40% of his threes. Just in the abstract, Larry Bird is one of the best shooters I've ever seen. Let's go further. In the 80s, before we had all these statistics, before we were sitting in front of laptops crunching numbers, figuring out player efficiency rating and stuff like that, Larry Bird has two years where he's 40, 50, 90. 40 from three, 50 shooting percentage in general, 90% from the free throw line. Right, folks? Larry Bird is with Magic on an NBA All-5. I would argue, of course, that Michael is, since Michael's the best I've seen. Now, let me say this, and it's going to upset a lot of people, right? We necessarily have to cut off great players. I'm just telling you, I'm not sure if I've seen a guy who, when he walks on his team, he brings with him more wins than Jason Kidd did. I know this sounds ridiculous. I know it's heresy. Right? Jason Kidd's not the scorer Kobe is. Okay, fine. Jason Kidd's not the athlete Kobe is. Okay, great. Okay, Jason Kidd doesn't have the same numbers that LeBron James does. And LeBron, unfortunately, here, with this five that I'm putting together, doesn't make the list. Although he's one of the best players, very best, that I've seen. Right? Just understand, LeBron is like Jason Kidd. When they walk on the court, they're bringing 10 to 15 wins with them. But understand, if you're asking me for a starting five and three of them are Magic, Larry, and Michael, and in the comment section of this video, you can tear apart any of the three, right? Tell us the problems with them. Right? Understand, I like to laugh at Larry's defense. Just understand Larry made defensive teams. Perhaps you like to laugh at Magic's outside shooting. Understand, Magic does come up with a set three-point shot later in his career. Right? Understand, with Jordan, people will lament the fact that Jordan wasn't a three-point shooter. Different time in the NBA. What I want to do is to point out that Jordan goes through a, let's say, 10-game stretch where he has something like nine triple-doubles. Well, the last two spots, I need big men who can pass the basketball. Right? I need big men who can be dominant scorers when needed who can be dominant rebounders when needed, and who can pass the basketball. 
I also need big man who, if I need for them to be the five, they'll be the five. If I need for them to be the four, they'll be the four. In other words, I need that level of skill. Folks, there's only one big man. Only one. Might be the game's greatest player. Only one who has ever led the league in assists. Only one center has led the league in assists. One. And that's Wilt Chamberlain. And let's be clear on Wilt. Right? Wilt Chamberlain was the dominant rebounder of his era. That includes Bill Russell. Right? Wilt's the dominant rebounder of his era. And people don't seem to realize that that Jordan turnaround jumper seems to have been taken from Wilt's game because Wilt actually had a turnaround jumper and range on his jump shot. Wilt's not all a put-back, slam-dunk guy. That's not who he was. Look at the highlights. I have a film of Wilt at gamblersadvisory.com. Wilt often is 10 feet from the basket doing a turnaround shot that you could not block. It's unblockable. I know Kareem had the sky hook, and I'll agree. That's more unstoppable than Wilt's turnaround jumper. But understand, Wilt had a shot that really is one of the best shots in NBA history. To me, the passing is what separates Wilt from practically every other center, except for one. And he's the fifth guy on the NBA All-Five, right? This list will change over time and be refined as I think about things. But the fifth guy on the NBA All-Five has to be, in my opinion, the only center in NBA history to average more than nine assists a game in a season. And in fact, he was up over 9.5 assists a game. He has the most triple doubles in an NBA playoff season. And that's Joker. Right? I know some people are about to throw up. I understand. I understand. The Elijah Wan crowd, the Kareem crowd, the Shaquille O'Neal crowd are going to end the video right here. Right? I believe in a few years it's going to be self-evident. What's Joker now? Late 20s? 28 years old or so? Right? The NBA has a problem right now that they haven't had since the 1990s. In the 1990s, we reached a point where the MVP question was simply, are we going to give it to Jordan? Or are we going to get political? Right. That's what the MVP argument came down to. You knew the MVP. Jordan was not only the scoring champion, but Jordan was the you know first team 
All-NBA player. And, of course, Jordan was winning in the postseason. So let me tell you, back then some crazy things happened. Jordan puts up a triple-double in the All-Star game, which was unheard of at the time. And they gave the MVP of the game to Glenn Rice. Right? I'm not kidding. We started finding ways to give other guys MVPs because, of course, the league wanted to, you know, market and wanted to shine a light on some other guys. It did get dull. Let me just say, right now, we remember Jordan lovingly. At the time, he's a controversial figure. Everyone in the building knew Jordan was a gambler. Everyone in the building knew Jordan kept late nights. Right? Well, understand, you have a similar problem now in the NBA. Right? Two of the last three years, Joker has won the MVP. This last year, and I think Joel Embiid's a ter terrific player. There simply is no way history is going to look back on this last season that Joker had and be convinced that there was another guy at his position who deserved the MVP. In a year where Joker's team is the number one seed in the West, right? I know the MVP is a regular season award, but it's simply preposterous that the best player on the number one seed with historical numbers, right? Over 9.7 assists a game, more rebounds than the guy who wins MVP gets passed over. Well, what's going to happen next year? Because I believe there was a group of the public that didn't know Joker existed, in part because the Denver Nuggets hadn't been to an NBA Finals. <clears throat> well, once you know Joker exists, once you know he's in the building and that his team is on the verge of a dynasty, right? Let's have this phone call pass. Well, once you know who Joker is, how can anyone else win the MVP, right? You have a guy who, like Magic, is putting up an inordinate number of triple-doubles. Let me add Jason Kidd to that. Let me add... LeBron James to that. You have a guy putting up triple doubles who, quite frankly, is filling out the stat sheet. And, of course, he's leading his team. You understand, if Joker goes down, your betting slip on the Denver Nuggets to win it all goes out the window. Right? Understand the situation Joker has presented, right? It's, are we going to be real and give this guy the MVP? Or are we going to try to rationalize giving it to someone else? Now, you have a guy here who has won two MVPs already. I know some are going to say it's premature to put Joker on the all-NBA list. You have a guy here who's won two MVPs already and in a third year finished second in the MVP voting. 
right? Finished second in the MVP voting. Think about what he did in the playoffs. Anthony Davis is a guy who has the defensive player pedigree, doesn't he? He's one of the best defenders in the league. Just understand, Joker and company sweep the Lakers. The Lakers, at one point during that series, had to take Anthony Davis off of Joker. That's how unstoppable Joker is. As in the 90s, there's a gap. Just like there was with Jordan and everyone else. There's a gap here between Joker and everyone else. And it's scary because you look at how that team is put together. I give the GM a lot of credit. You look at how that team is put together. You understand they did not shoot particularly well against the Miami Heat. Folks, the Nuggets didn't play Nugget basketball in the NBA Finals. That's a credit to Eric Spolstra, who is a future Hall of Famer, the head coach of the uh, Heat, right? Just understand, the Heat muddied up the waters in the NBA Finals. The Finals still ended in five games. Now, what happens if Murray, Porter, Gordon continue to click with Joker because you understand this is a Magic Johnson situation. They understand they have the best passing center in the game, just like the Showtime Lakers. That's what we call it, Showtime. You know, Worthy, Byron Scott, Bob McAdoo. We forget how loaded that team was. Right, just how they understood, with, with Kareem, they understood I'm not going to find a point guard like this. We can start running in the first quarter, and we don't have to stop running until the last two minutes of the game. We have the horse here who will run the track with us. Folks, those are today's nuggets. Understand, too, the way it's put together. I know Joker's not athletically blessed. They have a freak athlete on the team. Has anyone looked closely at Aaron Gordon? He is a freak athlete. They have athletes who can help with bigs defensively. I'm not here suggesting that Joker is defensively blessed. Right? I'm not saying Joker can match Elijah one on defense. He, he can't. Right? But what I am saying is, my God, what center can match Joker on range? There's only one center in NBA history who's in the conversation with Joker on assists, and that's Wilt. There is nobody else. So I know it's heresy right now, right? When Jerry West is giving an interview and he says, one guy today belongs on the list, right? LeBron, I hear the argument, trust me. Lord knows I've run into enough LeBron fans. But understand, Jerry could easily have said Joker. I believe Joker today 
should be on the NBA top five. Let me say too, I'm aware of the fact, I'm definitely aware of the fact that Kareem early in his career leads the league in blocks, was a defensive giant early in his career. And let's face it, Kareem is the one who brings the ring to Milwaukee. Right? He has Big O on his team. Let's be real here. But Kareem gets a title. Kareem's a champion before he ever ventures to Los Angeles. I'll agree. My point here, and of course, Kareem's part of Showtime, Kareem has a collection of rings that Joker's striving for. Right? I understand the people who will say, hey, it's premature. You got to be kidding. I understand the people who will say, hey, you're here talking up Jason Kidd, and Jason Kidd doesn't belong in the same conversation with LeBron. All I'm saying is give the stats a look. I'm just telling you, if you dare look at Joker's stats, you're going to find out that Joker has been dominant for years and that those stats really can't be matched. Could you imagine an NBA starting five? with two big men who have each averaged over eight assists in a season, right? I'll agree, Wilt's numbers versus the 1960s. If you look at the assist leaders back then, Wilt's numbers are off the page, right? Could you imagine two passing big men being able to hit Larry Bird with the ball? A point guard being able to distribute like magic. And of course, the fifth guy being Michael Jordan. Right? Jordan and Wilt, by the way, both averaged, I believe it's the highest points per game in NBA history, around 30 points per game. Give it a look in the comment section of this video. Tell me your starting five, right? I'll agree. You have some trailblazers I've left out. How could you have a starting five and leave out Bill Russell, right? I'll agree. I had to leave out some guys here who, quite frankly, are spectacular. Jerry West, spectacular, right? I've talked about the starting five for years with friends. I've had Steph Curry on my starting five. Right? Because if you have an all-NBA team, don't you need a spectacular three-point shooter? But I believe I get that with Bird. And I just think because of the rebounds, because of the three-point percentage, and because of the peculiarity of and the unpredictability of really the best passing big man on the planet. Forget the NBA. If you look at the Euro League, for example, Joker's by far the best. I believe Joker might give you a bigger edge with the others than having Curry, who to me is right on the lip of the All-NBA team with Jason Kidd and LeBron. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I'm not going to lose sleep 
if someone says, hey, I think LeBron's on the top five or Kareem or Akeem, look, I'm not going to, you know, I wouldn't cry over that. But let's just say the problem with putting together a team is you're limited to five. And it's not a real conversation unless you make hard decisions. I hope you make hard decisions in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.